So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. everybody to this June 11th, 2013 episode of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields. And on the phone here to my left, way to my left, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? Uh, you want the truth? <laughs> you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. I'm sore, dude. I'm sick of rain. But other than that, you know, my spirits are up, so it's all good. And some of that cold... Thumb chilling rain, fibromyalgia pain stuff. But, yeah, yeah. you know, um, I I have to admit that even with the incredible amounts of exertion that you gave last week and heroic performance and that that this weather a year ago, with you having had done nothing, would have had you in the bed and you wouldn't even be able to be on the show. So. Yeah, I actually pointed that out today um, when uh, Ilya called me from um, from the radio show that I was that I guested on last week that was aired today. Um, she called me just to give me the show information, and you know, she asked me how I was doing, and I said, "Well, I'm actually, to be honest, I'm it appears I'm having what some people call a flare-up. Don't know where that came from. Came out of left field. Wasn't expecting it. Been feeling great for so long. Not sure how to handle it, but." On the other end of that, given everything that I've done and how long it's been raining and how much little sun we have and how much I've been pushing my body, this would have been, you know, weeks in bed for me about six months ago. Yeah. As opposed to one day of being super uber sore and not really feeling like doing much of anything. But... You know, I'm still walking. I'm still moving. You know what I mean? So I think that says a lot, and I'm certainly not Well, and I'm not, I'm not happy about it because pain sucks. Uh, I was actually going to point out that in the in our pre-show, uh, even battling a time delay that could vary up to 30, 45 seconds sometimes uh, because of the, our Internet trouble. Um, you never once were just sort of like you were angry, and that's an improvement. Yeah, well, it, I'm you know I'm, uh, I'm pissed because I don't accept being in pain for the rest of my life. Right. So it's that's you know, and that's a huge step forward from where I was a year ago. A year well, ago, I was convinced that this is how I was going to have to live. Yeah, you were just in powerlessness. 
Absolutely. And so, um, okay, so it's a, it's a bad day, but at the same time, this is not my future. This is not my this is not my everyday. And um, yeah, you were, you had bad months and were convinced that you were just going to have a bad life. And yeah, yeah. medical professionals everywhere would have been happy, and many of them were happy to tell you that. that oh, they were. They absolutely were. You know, everywhere from you're going to be in a wheelchair to blah, 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 blah. It's just the list was ridiculously long on the things that I wouldn't be able to do for the rest of my life. Right. And I've been doing them, so screw you. And, you know, one bad day does not mean that that my healing process has failed. It just means I'm having a bad day. Shit happens. Hey, yeah. um, and like I said, that's a huge improvement over where we were. And frankly, if I take somebody that's, you know, 10 or say... 14 years younger than me, just to pull a number out of air, I don't know where, and, and you know, say I chase them around Costa Rica for a week, it, it, it sometimes, you know, is like, oh, yeah, I'm not 36 anymore. Okay. <clears throat> I believe we're going to do away with a lot of that aging issue, perhaps, as time goes on, but probably not this week. So, you know. Absolutely. And I, I want to point out to our listeners who, you know, have been following the progress, and, and those of you who have read my my book on healing and um, who who listened to my stories, one of the things that I did do was break um, my agreement with my body. And so we speak often of speaking to your body and, you know, how you have a communication with your body and you promise it that you're going to make sure it has water and, you you know, proper nutrition and you're not going to toxify it too much and then it's going to perform for you when when it needs to. Now, I broke the um, agreement as far as pushing it to, you know, I was lifting some pretty heavy stuff and I've been doing a lot of digging in the garden. So I've been doing a lot of physical stuff that my body's not accustomed to. And I haven't been drinking a lot of water. So I broke the agreement. Um, So, you know, I mean, that's kind of my body's way. As far as I'm concerned, pain is always your body's way of saying, you know, you did, hello, <laughs> hello, not so happy over here. Um, so okay, I broke not okay. the agreement. Not okay, yeah, right? So um, I broke the agreement, so I'm going to spend the next couple of days making up for that and, and getting myself back into habits that are probably more conducive to a pain-free lifestyle. When we went to Costa Rica and I was shocked by my physical performance and ability and um, – I still cheesed out on the going horseback riding on Sunday morning and took Sunday to do nothing, which because it was in, right in the middle of our trip. It was convenient. It worked with our show schedule. And I still felt fine. I felt like I could have hopped up on a horse and gone wherever we needed to go. And, and, uh, and I, I, but I just, you know, really had that in the back of my mind of, Boy, you just can't keep pushing it, and because I've right. done it so many times, and right. I mean, five years of this, and I know you've battled with fibromyalgia longer than that, but you know, I was, I was fine one day, and then couldn't walk two weeks, three weeks later, and it was very shocking and very sudden and very I don't I don't get this, and so there was no. You know, I've dealt with this for a long time, so I know how to respond to it to 
I'm I'm kind of more in that space now than I was then. I was wow, and I'd have a good day, and I'd just tear off a strip, and then there I'd be all light up again. And so you know we're we're getting there, but but I do want to compliment you on just how well you're doing, and and uh, even though it doesn't seem that way right this minute. Well, like I said again, I'm 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 pissed because because it hurts. I don't like being in pain, but at the same time, you know. I've, Part of that is me being pissed at myself for pushing myself and not living up to the promises I made. I mean, I slacked on the water intake for a few days, and eventually your body's going to start to show signs of weakness. If you don't give it the nourishment and the nutrients that it needs, and, and water's a big one, it helps flushes out, it helps to flush out toxins. Pop, juice, Coffee, tea, even if it's freaking weak, watered-down herbal tea, it's still not water. And, you know, so I broke a promise to my body. My body's reminding me that I broke a promise. We're going to get along fine in the next few days as soon as I start doing what I promised I would do, and that's how it's worked every other time from now. And it's interesting to note that I'm actually doing a show as a guest this week, Friday, um, on Christine Lynn Abrams' show, and we're going to be talking about fibromyalgia and healing. So, I mean, the timing's apropos, <laughs> so to speak, right? Well, you know, George would never put you on public transportation with weird people so that you'd have something to talk about on the radio. Exactly, or put right. you in so, pain or... Um, you know, and, and when you when you live your life in pain and then all of a sudden you have this, what seemingly miraculous recovery and all of a sudden you have your life back and you can do all this stuff and you're living pain-free to go back and do a show on fibromyalgia without an intense reminder of what it's like you know i mean i might have missed a couple things there so i I don't think this is going to last and i'm not going to get i'm not going to get afraid of this this is just because i think that's the most important thing is don't look at this as so many times in my life, you know, I'm making great progress and then on whatever it is, and then I trip and fall. And in, in, in my old pattern was always, yeah, see, told you you weren't good enough. You, <sighs> you screwed it up, you idiot. You're, right. you know, right. and, and it's just not the, it's certainly not a helpful attitude and not, in my opinion, the, the proper attitude to carry into it and makes a big difference. So, you know, um, I think it absolutely does. And, I mean, let's face it, fractured spine, a couple of herniated discs, five, six days of rain and lack of sun and dampness and cold, there's probably going to be some aching involved. I mean, even for a normal person without the dreaded disease, fibromyalgia, there would still be some aching involved. Um, So... Left knee still tells me when it's going to rain. Right? So Better I feel. Am I scared that it's a full-fledged flare-up? No. Am I aware that it's a full-fledged flare-up? Hell yeah. I can feel I know. My toes hurt. My knees hurt. My everything hurts. Am I aware that it hurts like hell right this minute? You know. Yeah, because that's the, that's the thing that I think... It's certainly something I didn't understand until I had this nerve thing. It, it, it is... It, 
you, you talk about you got the flu or a cold or a whatever, and my entire everything hurts. You don't know about everything hurts until your nerves revolt. Right, right. When, you know, I mean, the people who have neuromuscular disorders, they get the everything hurts. And and for people who don't, think back to your worst freaking flu ever. Like, ever. I've had the flu. I know. Um, worst flu ever. Worst hangover ever. Multiply that by about 10, and that's, you know, you're getting close. Because it, it, I'm not it's shocking. Whining, though. I'm not well, saying that this is, you know, it makes me better because I'm suffering more. That's not where I'm I'm going at with this. I'm just saying for those of you who have people in your lives with people who have chronic pain, it's something to understand that these people are not telling you that it hurts just for the sake of getting freaking attention or compassion. They're telling you it hurts because it hurts. And for the most part, they don't understand why it hurts. They can't make it stop hurting. You can take all the medication in the world you want. You can smoke as many joints as you want. You can drink as much bloody alcohol as you want. It's still going to hurt. This is a nerve issue, nerve and muscle related. It's neuromuscular. It don't just go away because you put a bunch of drugs in your system. So, you know, and that's, that's something that people need to understand. But at the same time, this is not the end of the world. There are ways to cope. So, um... In saying that, you know, one of the ways to cope is to find things that make you smile and bring light and joy to your life. Yeah, like radio shows. Tonight, like radio shows and music. Right. And our guest tonight would know all about that. Absolutely. So, um, I just want to say as somebody who who's suffered with fibromyalgia and, and chronic pain all my life, I just want to say, first of all, thank you to all the musicians out there who make amazing music and you bring a smile and joy to our lives because sometimes when you're in pain that music can take you to another place and and make the pain if not go away make you kind of forget about it for a while so um with you know with that in mind i want to welcome our guest tonight because he's one of those special musical creators absolutely so we have with us tonight kev Rowe. how are you kev i'm good rick Thank you for having me. Hi, Gene. Hi. Thrilled to have you. We didn't quite get enough time in our pre-show to, as we were changing back and forth from Internet to phone and phone to Internet to, to cover that <laughs> we we banter uh, for a moment or blab or we talk for a moment. So we, no, it's nice. It, get, it gets, me, gets me more familiar with you guys. And... By the way... Um, Janet Caldwell is in the chat room this evening and said to be sure and tell you hi. And uh, she also said, Jane, to give you big hugs, but, you know, the kind that don't squeeze and hurt. <laughs> hi, Janet. <laughs> Thanks. And I would like to just just quick, I'll say hi to the to the four other guests we have in the, in the chat room. I'm glad you all are with us tonight. So, Kev, just thrilled that we were able to put the connections together and get you on tonight. Absolutely, absolutely excited. Want to hear all about your journey, so we'll start off with our first question and we'll go from there and see what happens. Okay, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> who on earth are you and what do you do? Who am I and what do I do? Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm a, I'm a singer-songwriter. I live in western New York, Jamestown, New York. 
um, which is about an hour below, hour and a half below Buffalo. Um, I'm an artist. I'm a working musician. Sometimes those things collide. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they work together perfectly. Um, I have a solo singer-songwriter project, which is just me on acoustic guitar, and I write my own songs. But I'm also the lead guitar player for a band called Big Leg Emma, right here out of Jamestown, New York. And we tour all over the place as a band. Um, actually, I just got back from Alabama about a week ago, and before that, we were out to Colorado. So this type of this time of year, we're doing a, a lot of traveling. But now I'm home, kind of in between trips. Um, and I'm, now I'm just home in my apartment, doing my computer thing mostly. I mean, when I'm home, not touring, mostly my activity is internet marketing. So, internet marketing or the studio. So if I'm not writing songs, I'm mostly on the internet, getting my music out one way or another, however I can think of doing it. <laughs> but it's, it's a fun life. It's an interesting life. Um, sometimes it gets stressful and on the working musician side of it, but I don't think I would trade any of it. I'm, I, In general, I feel pretty fulfilled with, what, with how I'm spending my time. Well, I sure can't feel with you for the... The rest of the time, I'm on the computer trying to figure out how to get my music out there because that's what I do with my time and trying to get the radio show out there. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting and ad- adventurous. Yeah, it's it's you meet a lot of I meet a lot of interesting people, you know that that are kind of open to helping musicians or a lot of times, and going back to the healing part of, of what you were talking about uh, before um, about the body and pain and a lot of times it, it seems I end up in a in a world where people are needing some kind of healing or they're needing some kind of peace or a break from from their life or something, um, or maybe it's a spiritual connection. And it's, it seems like I end up connecting with those with people like that all the time. Um, maybe it's just that they've gone through some tragedy in their life, or they have some health issues, or they just happen to be in a uh, a changing. Uh, time in their life, it seems like the music reaches out to those people to to somehow console them or or maybe it's 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 healing me too. I mean it for sure. I, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm absolutely. going on and on. No, no, actually <laughs> I I I'm so glad you put that little tiny bit of importantness in the end of that statement because um I briefly mentioned I I just guessed it on another show, and she called me a healer, and I kind of went, and, but, I mean, at the end of the day, any of us who create, be it 
writing music or, or art painting, writing books like I do, any of us who create, I think the main reason we do that is, you know, shocking enough to our fans. It's because we have to. And it's for us first. And by following our passion and, and continuing to create and in continuing to express and continuing to heal ourselves through that creation and that expression, we take that healing whole wellness energy out into the world and we share it with others and they tap into it and they can feel it and and yeah. they can join with it in a sense and be able to to take some of that healing energetic into themselves but it starts with us it starts with the people who create it starts with the people who make these things and offer them to others it's, you know i mean so that's a really important part of artistic expression and creation is is for us as artists to be as honest in our creation as possible. Yeah. Right? Definitely. Yes, for sure. And I think it's such a valuable gift to be able to give people. You know, the the music is, is so important. It's it's universal language. You don't need to speak the language to understand the vibration. Yeah, it, it's something I try not to forget. That it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a communal thing, really. That, and it's, it's a healing thing. Absolutely, and so I'm curious if this is. I mean, obviously, this is what you're born to do or else you wouldn't be happy being the working musician, um, and you wouldn't be happy in the pressure and in, in the constant... I mean, there's a lot of moving around and stuff with regards to being an on-the-road musician. So there's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of work involved. People don't quite understand how much effort is expended nowadays in Internet marketing. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that takes a lot of energy in and of itself, Right. So how did you get started? Is this something that you started doing when you were like little itty bitty, Kev? Or is this something? Um, that you not really. I, my, my mom and I we talk about that sometimes. Um, I think my I was really introduced to music in the junior choir of my mom. She took us to church, and I got into the the choir at a young age, maybe seven or eight, and. So my mom kind of directed me down that path, and the, and the fact that it was connected to uh, spiritual matters and being at at church, I think that's even then kind of plants a seed of what music means to you or what it means to me, what meant to me as a as a, just as a person. And then when I got into high school, then I really got into the Guitar, and all I did was write um, guitar music, and it kind of just grew and grew and grew. Through college, I I had a band, and we started doing some touring. Then when I got out of college, we toured a lot, and that was my high school band. The band broke up. Then I joined Big Leg Emma. That's the band I'm in now, and we we've been together. Uh, well, over 
over 10 years now, but there's been some time in there that the band has taken off, and we've all done other projects. But we've just kind of kept it going all along. Um, so that, in that, as far as my writing and recording goes, it's just grown. I mean, the, the thing that I've always loved, though, is creating. I love to be creative with music or lyrics or just the way that I spend my time. Like the internet marketing thing or any of the things that I do as a musician that pertain to business, I like to have fun with them and be as creative with the business or or meeting new people or networking, as creative with that type of stuff as I am with the actual making of the music. That way they can work in harmony together and kind of complement each other rather than just going about some normal formulas that seem to be laid out in front of us. So I, I like the new frontier of it all. The the my my hands deep down in in the grind of the work and really living it. And so it's the whole creative thing that it caught me early somewhere in high school. Up but um music has kind of always been there for me and now I'm 37 years old so I've been doing it long enough to withstand the highs and lows of what it might do to my personal life. <laughs> it's you know it's not exactly uh a traditional job, you know, it's it's not there are certain sacrifices that I've had to to make or just a, it's a different lifestyle and and, and the doubt thing is is the thing that people have stereotypes about musicians barely any of them applied to me like um drug sex and rock and roll and the whole uh, kind of things that apply to or the stereotypes that go around being a working musician that I found that 95% of the time they don't apply. They just are good stories. <laughs> so so anything that we've heard about working musicians that are famous in the last 50 years, they're just stories that are good to tell. And, and sure, a lot of people, have, have, uh, successful artists, have died from, say, drug overdoses or... Now, a lot of those stories are true, but I I think that they're more rare than, than people think. I mean, I know a lot of working musicians who are getting older now who didn't do any of those things. Uh, I'm going off track here, I think. No, no, not. <laughs> no, not at all. Don't ever, think doing that. don't ever think you're going off track, because in whichever direction you go in is exactly where you We don't have a track. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, but it, it, it's a really valid point that you're making. And if you think back to like some of the most, some of the biggest names in music, and, and yes, there's a lot of a lot of stuff in the media and controversy and stories and mm-hmm. hoo-hahs, right? But yeah, it's all drama. About, right. 
But when we think about what some of these people have done on a personal level to make the world a better place, about the messages that are in their music. And so, you know, I mean, we're not talking about lost souls here. We're not talking about people who just want to party and, and get high and have a good time. We're talking yeah, about right. some seriously involved and passionate people who care about our world and are trying to get the message across and whatever they can, whatever yeah, they you're can, right. to, to, you know, live your passion, live your dreams, and, and use your passion and, and your talents and your skills to make the world a better place. It's a lot of these musicians, that the, I mean, we're talking some huge names, when I was writing my second book, I had to really just kind of go back and listen to some of the biggest songs of all time and look at some of the biggest musicians of all time. And even today, some of the music, the lyrics that are in mainstream music, if you actually sit down and get over the thump-thump and the half-naked women dancing on stages and all that marketing crap that they do, yeah. get mm-hmm. to the meat of the message of the song, you won't be able to to claim that these people just want to party and have a good time. They care. They care, and they're passionate about our planet. They're passionate about our world. They're passionate about the people who live in it. Yeah, there are amazing artists out there. One thing, some of what gets mainstream, though, is, or the things that get to a normal radio station, a lot of it is based on that, unfortunately, the marketing of it. I wish, because, I mean, there are some artists out there that are, that writing-wise are just so much better than what most people hear. It's a shame. So you kind of have to be looking for it. It is, but the the dynamic is changing, and that's where, you know... Yeah, it is. the working musician with power to access their listeners through the internet directly yes. that yeah. that's shifting the power yeah it was power awesome so it, it's not just putting the power into the hands of the musicians either it's putting the power into the hands of the consumer mhm I mean, they get to pick and choose who they want to be famous these days um, and yes, it takes a little more work on the end of the independent because I'm an independent author, so I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. It, the whole marketing, the, I mean, you have to put a lot of time and energy into it to reach people so they know you're there. But once you've done that, and once you've touched their hearts and their spirits and their souls, that they're just going to keep passing your stuff around. That's true. It's yeah, with, with the internet, the 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 quality versus quantity issue is always seem is always coming into play. It's you know I want to have make strong relationships and and have a a strong bond with the listener, and that, that is so cool that now that can be done with the internet. It's an immediate connection, and it can be nurtured over and over and over again. So that is beautiful. It's it's when quantity starts to get involved, you know, when you you have to reach so many people to grow your fan base and go out and 
legitimately tour with support and have the shows um, well attended and selling CDs and, you know, when quantity starts to come into play. But, I mean, one of the greatest things in my life is when I just I just went to Alabama with a band and there was a man there uh, also named Kevin. Uh, he's the nicest guy, but I know him from Facebook and he was like so so full of joy to be there to meet me and he said Kev this is like this is on my um my bucket list to meet you and and so I get into this conversation with him we talked for like a half an hour and it, I can tell I mean for both of us it's just a really cool connection that we've we've made like we both get it you know he owns all my CDs and and we chat on Facebook and He's an old friend at this point, but there's a, a lot. Oh, there's a lot of more people like that, and they're all over the country. So, if just one shows up at a show with that type of of uh, energy and, and excitement for it, then that, it's so worth it. It, it really, it really is cool. I, I can't think of when, when in history you can have that type of connection with someone. Because it's all about music. I mean, he he just, he really gets it. So. And it's, it's awesome to see artists reaching out like that, you know, bypassing the whole agent um, interference issue. Right, and the machine. And, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not negating the value. I have to points out I'm not negating the value of agents. Um mm-hmm. a good agent is a is a treasured freaking thing. However, it's very difficult to connect with your audience on that level when you have somebody who's running interference, regardless of the fact that they are running interference for your safety, security what you know, in order to protect you, for lack of a better word. Uh, because they feel that it's necessary. We're now in living in a world where that protection isn't so much necessary as long as the artist is willing to be engaging with their listeners. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because at this point I know Kevin better than I know some cousins, (laughs) you know. So... I mean, I I I've, I would fear nothing fr- happening from him. Um, maybe someday they'll come come back to haunt me. I don't know, but I <laughs> I, I, just, I just I'm not gonna live my life in fear, but mostly. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I, think, I think I think that artists. Um, Artists need to think think along a lot those lines now because we now have the ability to connect directly um, with you know even as an author. I have a guy on Facebook who contacts me almost daily because he's working on his first novel. Cool. Um, and I just think it's cool that he feels comfortable enough to write me a quick message on Facebook and say I'm stuck on this. What do I do? You know that I can have oh, that yeah. 
firsthand connection with people. So people and advice, to- yeah. I mean, awesome. That is awesome. So, okay, you're the artist, you're the musician, you're you're out there, you're in the public, you're talking to people, and you're getting engaged, and you're generally interested in what's going on, it sounds like, you know, with your listeners, that you, you would sit there and have a half-hour conversation with somebody who's a quote-unquote fan. We prefer mm-hmm. to call them friends. Um, I love the word friends and family instead of fans. Right, right. <laughs> so, you see family. Absolutely. So do you have, just because it's, it's getting up to 8.30 and we still haven't heard a song, so do you have a favorite song or... Um, you just love them all. Of my own? Yeah, of your own, of course. Well, of, of, um, and of these four that I have. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the um, Burn Away is, is probably the fan favorite as far as out of all my records. That's that's definitely the most popular song. That would be what uh, Janet had to say. Oh, cool. Uh, she sent me the video in advance. And, yeah, here we go, all caps. Yes, and what is that, 12 exclamation points? <laughs> so so tell us about Burn Away. What, Where did Burn Away come from? Well, um, first of all, I, I, I co-wrote that song with a friend of mine. His name is Todd Dalton. We've been friends for a lot of years. Uh, he used to tour with me on the road and do... He sold merch for us and did guitar tech and but he's a good friend and we were just hanging out and I had this some I ha, I keep a dictaphone. Um I don't anymore, I just use my phone, but I have a recording device with me all the time and it was just I'm recording ideas and snippets of music almost all the time and we were just flipping through it. And it was there on the dictaphone. I don't even remember um, recording it. And we listened to it, and we're like, oh, that's cool. So then we worked on it, and um, I eventually recorded it. How it was written is kind of a mystery to me. The, The only thing I can think of is that CD, which is called High Love, had... um. All the songs on that CD were from an era of my life. And when I look back on that era, it really reflects personally what I was going through. It took me about two years to make that CD. And there are a lot of positive kind of messages on that that record, although some of them are bittersweet. Um, there are a lot of healing slash love, uh, really kind of, I don't want to say optimistic because that sounds too, too happy. <laughs> there, uh, of the message on that was very idealistic and I was working with a great producer at the time in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, his name is Danny Kadar, and it, there's a studio in Asheville called Echo Mountain 
records, and that's where I've made my last two records. And Burn Away just kind of was the one song that summed up everything of those two years of my life. Um, on, a, on a personal level, I I was married, and I was seven years into a marriage. I'm divorced now. But while I was... Um, making that record I my marriage was start was crumbling and I didn't really even know it to be honest with you. I was working so hard and just kind of trying to hold it all together and I was writing these idealistic songs about love. And you you know, I, I was just going on instincts. So I, there's a kind of a romantic edge to the whole whole record, I think, because maybe I wasn't happy in my personal life. It's kind of weird how that happens, and I and now that I'm looking back on it, I mean that was that was three years ago. That's just my interp- you know that's my interpretation of it now. If I was to go back and ask that guy, are you happy, I think he would have said yes, <laughs> which is the thing that really gets me. And um, it's made me more aware and more, I can be an observer, an observer, observer of my own life now, having gone through it. And it certainly made me more spiritual. So I think it's all of those themes you hear in that song, Burn Away, and in it throughout that whole entire CD. Awesome. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. I'm almost scared to push the button now. Yeah. It's a happy song, I think. We have a question in the chat room for when we get back that we can ask you. Yeah. Listen to this and. So we will uh, burn away. We'll be back. Uh, Stay with us, folks.
Welcome back, everybody. Awesome. Awesome stuff. was. It's a very beautiful Thanks, song. Rick. Yeah, it's almost hard for me to listen to it. <laughs> After describing you know, the uh, 
how how you know after after describing how it was written makes me listen to it differently. I bet it does. And what a interesting treat this. Um, just there on the dictaphone. Don't really remember recording it, but right, yeah. That's when you get to kind of sit back and look at your own self and go, "Wow, that's kind of cool." Did I do that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, we think that, that we think that from time to time when we play back the radio shows, we're like, "Did did I say that?" <clears throat> um, yeah, Janet says same with the poetry, and and. Uh, and we did have a question, and I want to get to the question, but then I want to get to this parallels with the writers and the poets, uh, uh, because our our questioner has had to go. Um, but Colby wanted to know, Kev, why do you live in New York? Well, I live in in Western New York, so. Wherever we go in the country, I'm sure to tell people it's not New York City. <laughs> the only, <laughs> I mean, it's not what people when they first blush when they hear New York. It's not generally what they think of. No, think of, it, it. Yeah, it's very rural. I live in a small town called Jamestown, New York. We we have a couple of claims to fame. We have Lucille Ball is from here, and. The band, the 10,000 Maniacs, are originally from here. And that's almost about it. They, <laughs> um, they, they couldn't go ahead and have 10,001 and just invite you along? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they're all really nice guys. And they like the keyboard player, Dennis Drew, he lives on my street, like uh, about six houses down on the left. Um but our I, our town is an old factory town. We uh, and we've been getting smaller and smaller since probably the late teen, or the late 1960s. It's, that's a guess, but our our town has been slowly getting smaller and smaller. And I, I think it's not an uncommon story in this area of the country. You know where a lot of the factories have closed down and moved down south or out west. So it's a slow pace of life. It's much slower, certainly, than New York City. But many of the... It's it's slower than most of the rest of the country, I would say. So we don't really... You know, mid to to smallish cities. Yeah, we don't have... Little town. Yeah, we we have, I think, about 30,000 people, I'd say. So it is, it is a town, but it's not New York City. It's it's not in any way urban. It's a, it's a rural. And, it, and around here, we have a lot of roots music, bluegrass music, and we have a lot of summer festivals. We have a, a local festival called the Great Blue Heron Festival that I'll be at in two weeks. Um, that is a lot of bluegrass and folk music and and zydeco and reggae and it, so it, it's much more we're much closer to the Appalachian music than urban music. That's kind of where the folk thing comes from. Why do I live here? 
well, I have family here. I grew up here. I I love being a working artist here, and it's just a great place to be. I I have lived in other areas of the country, like when I when I recorded that the CD High Love in Asheville. I lived in Charleston, South Carolina, which I loved it down there, but it was a fast pace of life for me. In in the in the South, it's amazing to me. Like uh, Charlotte, Atlanta, a, a lot of these cities, they're growing so much that their economy is, and the the pace of life is fast. And to me, there were just too many cars on the road and too much stress. <laughs> I like I like uh, I like it just a little bit slower. Yeah, I. I spent a lot of time in a small town, and my father's there now, so I visited recently, and it's it's probably twice as big as when I was there. Uh, they have chilies and, you know, big chain right. restaurants and, and all kinds of traffic lights and traffic at 5 o'clock. I was like, mm-hmm. what? Because, I mean, a traffic jam when I was there was when you got behind the little old lady with bluish hair that, you know, <laughs> right. that, was a, that was, you know, when traffic was slow. And uh, but yeah, Jamestown's almost what, due south of Toronto, and uh, mm-hmm. so up there in Lake Country and yeah, we're almost northern the end of the Appalachians. See, and I I, I get that because I I escaped to the mountains from Toronto. <laughs> I was, oh. Yeah, I, I, can, I can't do it anymore, you know, even when I go there to visit. I just kind of, I shake my head and wonder that I actually managed to live at that pace. And I I remember when my daughter was going to school, I spent five hours a day on the road just to drive her back and forth to school. Wow. And I think about that now, and I I think I must have been absolutely insane to live that way. Yeah, that's a big sacrifice. And worked a job on top of that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and and so, and I, I understand wholeheartedly that some people really, really love that. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that they love it because they can have it. You know what I mean? Like it's... yeah. Good that there's this diversity amongst us that allows for certain people to really, really love living in that kind of fast-paced environment, so that I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and like New York, New York City, I love I love going into New York City and and playing there and and, and the traveling. I think that's another part of it is that. I do so much traveling that when I'm home, I want it to be slow. I want it to just be simple and easy. And living here, it is that way. So when if I do go into bigger cities, I can kind of, you know, get that while I'm there and, and do the big city thing and then just drop out of it whenever I want. Yeah. I that's really what I loved when I was in Kerrville was it was close enough to San Antonio that if you needed to go somewhere where there were music joints open all night long or 
or big electronic stores or whatever the heck, you know, it was about an hour, hour and a half away. So you could go right. to that. And when it was close enough, you could go to a concert or a show and come back. You know, you mm-hmm. didn't have to stay overnight. But it was far enough away that it really didn't impinge on Kerrville. It was, Kerrville was still, you know. You got stuck right. behind the little old lady going five. Everybody just went five until she turned. Nobody honked at her. You know, it's like, you know, that's that's old Emma up there, old big leg Emma. <laughs> I've always wanted to go to Kerrville too. I just have never made that voyage yet, but someday. There's a the folk festival there. Yeah, they have the folk festival there. Uh, that's I went to school at uh, Shriner College, which is now Shriner University. Goodness gracious me, what? <laughs> Changing. But it, it it does. I I wonder sometimes if <clears throat> I've certainly noticed, having done away with uh, television in my life, that television for me was a source of of sort of regularly paced doses of adrenaline. Yeah. And whether it was you know a high point in the show or. Um, something in a commercial or even if it was the opposite end on a comedy show where you just laughed really, really hard, there was, there was like a big tension or release going chum, 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 all the time, keeping that adrenaline yeah. pumping. And, and sometimes I, I, I think, <clears throat> you know, cause I'm, I'm here on the edge of Houston and, uh, it's still pretty swiftly paced here, but man, from here, we look at the folks 20 miles away that are downtown and think, wow, how do you do that? And, and of course, now I'm going to Costa Rica where it's like, you know, and I'm just going to come back every three months for a few days. <laughs> um, but it, 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 I wonder sometimes if it isn't a symptom of that um, sort of adrenaline pump that, that society has run on for, well, I don't know. About the last fifty years, something like that. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because when I moved back to Jamestown, I've been here about almost three years now. I didn't get cable, and I haven't had cable ever since. And and really, because it was a part of what you're saying, um, with the constant the constant barrage of uh, stimulating uh, the need for stuff like that now. So my thing is, I like to watch movies, and then I can pick and choose my own. They're like little works of art for me, and and I can kind of control my content, but or or my in, control my input. Yeah. And and then of course I have the internet. So I I now so then when I now I when I go to my, my girlfriend's house and I watch cable, I'm entertained by anything. <laughs> like a commercial comes on, any you name it, and I'm like, wow, the graphics are amazing compared to what they used to be. Right? I do. I, I watch commercials and stuff, and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. <clears throat> yeah. I'm, like, very easily entertained now. <laughs> well, shouldn't we all be? <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. And and I think that if everybody that 
you know, lives that adrenaline-pumped life suddenly had to, uh, oh, I don't know, if coastal New Jersey and New York City got smacked by a big superstorm and had to just stop for a week, you know, that it might not be yeah. such a bad thing. No, I think it'd be a nice, good reality check, actually. Might might be a way to break the cycle. Of the, yeah. Oh. Because I said wait again. Well, it's an addiction, right? I mean, I I was a waitress actually. Shauna and I were talking about that last week while we were sitting there on our patio drinking wine, and it's an addiction. Adrenaline junkies are everywhere, and we don't even know that we're adrenaline junkies. I, mean, I waitressed for 20 years. I was an adrenaline junkie. Okay, I wasn't jumping out of planes, but I was going to a tense, fast-paced gotta have my crap together every night environment or else I wasn't yeah. making the money that I needed to make to survive kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, there is a few moments of sheer terror perhaps jumping out of a plane, but frankly, I think that that waitressing is much higher stress than jumping out of airplanes. Well, yeah, because it's like six or seven hours of ongoing sheer terror. Right, yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. And it's just never-ending, yeah. Yeah, it's it's constant. You're constantly bop, 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 move, move, move. And it's not even about the moving. It's about the thinking. It's about the anticipation. It's about, you know, the, the having to read your, your good server reads their customers from across the room. You know what your customer's thinking before you even get to the table, or you should know mm-hmm. what they're thinking, and you should be able to feel what kind of mood they're in before you even approach them. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 a constant... Ah, to your emotions, to the physical stress on your body. I was addicted. I tried to give up that job so many times and go do something else, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't give it up until I was able to give it up to get on a plane to go to the Philippines and write a novel. And then I was still, that was still an adrenaline rush because it was totally unknown you know, unknown to me. I'd never done anything like that in my life. So this was an adrenaline rush. So I was able to ease out of the restaurant and ease into writing and expressing and and eventually doing the radio show, which is still, I'll admit it, it's an adrenaline rush to go out and speak to strangers. And, and, you know, it's so I think there is a certain element to that um, that the people living in cities and and when we live this fast-paced life, it's because we're addicted to it. We're literally addicted to it. Yeah, yeah. There, are, yeah. There are a couple of things that I'm addicted to. Coffee would be one of them. Yeah. I felt, yeah. I, felt, I, felt I felt bad when you were uh, in your in the conversation before before this when we were talking about coffee. But I do have water sitting in front of me. I was proud that. For this interview, I I got a bottle of water and, nah. but a coffee is my worst. Coffee. Yeah. And, I have coffee. Have to have coffee, and uh, yeah. so we can't do late night shows or I don't sleep. Sometimes I'll <laughs> sleep anyway. But uh, so uh, you have a song here, break the cycle. Uh, mm-hmm. What kind of cycle were we were we breaking? Were, was it right after? Uh, we lost the tour to France or something. Or, no. <laughs> uh, 
I, I think it was just uh, any kind of cycle. You know, it, a lot of people have said that's kind of a song about addiction. Um, and it, or it's, it's not about addiction. It's about recovery, really. And Yeah, because... That, that song was written during when I was recording that other album. Actually, I didn't get around to releasing it until... My last CD was called More True Than Real. But Break the Cycle I recorded while I was making High Love, the CD before it. And it kind of goes with the theme of that recovery. Um, searching. I think there's a, a searching for something better, um, wanting to make changes in your life. Um yeah, it's not exactly. They're not cheerleader songs. I mean, they like it's not. All right, everybody, let's go break the cycle. It's more. It's more like accepting the cycles as they go through your life, like not forcing anything, and and you know, not feeling like I have to control every aspect of my life. Because really, I mean. I you gotta just roll with the punches. I mean, circumstances change, and we do our best. But do we really have control? Life happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sneaks up on me from behind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is uh, is it break the cycle two or is it just break the cycle? Oh, it's just break the cycle. Okay. I, I, uh, I wasn't sure if the two in the file name was part of the song or not. You know. I thought, sure, if I just leave that off, it'll be important. But So I put it on, and it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's my fault. So this is uh, Break the Cycle, and uh, we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Break the cycle. Time to kill the pain. Time to Time for me to grow and find my way and break the cycle. There's no time to lose. It's something that I choose. It's time for me to finally have some peace and break the cycle.
that is one thing that that I am focused on. You know, I mean, you can't even think about it. You have to truly feel every word. Like as you're singing in the studio, that is one of I one of one thing that I have. At the, it's just all about feeling the emotion of every single word because interpretation is key. And people can hear this. People can sing the same line any different way. I mean, there's an infinite way, infinite number of ways to perform a song. So it's kind of up to the singer just to resonate with with each and every word to to make sure that it's represents the way I interpret it. I, I, I guess that I don't know if I'm saying that right, but but it, no, it, I, it, I think you're saying it just perfectly. Absolutely, okay. yeah. I I understand and I agree, and I think that there's. I mean, we're talking about a, a, an innate ability to express emotion in a way that touches other people that not everybody is born with. And I, it's still, I, it, doing this job for I don't know how long and talking to people and watching them and listening to them pour their heart out on my show, musicians, more than any other artist on the planet, sorry, Janet, poets included, fascinate <laughs> me. I, I'm fascinated by the ability to take emotion and to express it through physical vibration like physical lyrical vibration that fascinates me that you're able to do that and and i think that there's a great deal of of bravery involved on some level and i don't think that not everybody appreciates how much opens up every time they write or even perform a song because like as you said they connect with the music so even if they haven't written the song themselves they still have to dig really deep to get into the meaning of the song so that when they sing it and perform it they can express the meaning absolutely and and it's you say no offense to the poets, Janet, and you, I know you mean no offense to the writers yourself, but it, it, it to me it's almost like this semi-physical fusion of, you know, a book, is, you've got this thing, you pick it up, there it is. And in, in poetry, there's these letters, there's squiggles on the page. and But music, even though it's a physical vibration, it's invisible, it's up in the air, like birds and mm-hmm. so it's only kind of physical sort of i mean it, it is I'm, i don't mean to get lost in the uh metaphysics of it but that there that it there's some direct touch that it makes that uh you know like the difference sometimes uh, uh i i think that some of these poetry shows can be so interesting that Janet's often involved 
with is when the poet reads it, sometimes it's all different now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that, what you're just saying about it being kind of both, that it is abstract and it is finite. It, it, I mean, it makes me think there about many times I'll, I'll, I'll write music in my sleep and just through dreams I see series of notes and and it's very hard for me to, to describe it. It's it's not they're not notes like shape notes, uh like a quarter note or a whole note. They're series of notes that are just kind of colors interacting and then I'll 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 see and hear the melody so purely and I'll have to wake up and get it down and um on a on my phone or somehow I'll have to record it because if I sit on that and try to pull it back out the next day, I might mess up one note and it'll throw off the entire thing and I'll know it'll be like torture because I'll know there's one note in there that is not right and I don't know which one it is, but when it came to me, it was pure and perfect. And because I waited, it's not any longer. <laughs> it can, it it's, can be a... It's that almost... I've heard it in Jean's voice when there's something that she just has to write. There's there's uh, this interesting desperation of, mm-hmm. I have to go write. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I mean, it shakes me. I can feel it, you know, uh, and, um, uh, so it's, it's, I, I thought it was interesting that Jean, and I'm not sure I've ever told her this story. She made up this thing at this small apartment. They were in, um, uh, Long Gay, was it? When you were yeah. in the little bitty place? Yeah, and, little bitty we can sacrifice everything for our dreams house. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so she got a hat and that was her writing hat. And if it was on, they weren't allowed to talk to her or you can talk to me. Just don't expect (laughs) me to answer, you know, (laughs) that's great. And, um, the first time I saw that was with like this working psychic. That was her symbol to the universe of, you know, like, would you turn it off? And, it, it really, because it's like that, it's like, you know, right now, this is, you know, I understand there's a family crisis and the house is on fire, but you don't understand. <laughs> i got to write this down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is, and desperation is, is definitely the word that I would have chosen. And, and when you started to speak, Rick, the first word that came into my head was, was desperation. It is. It's. It's not even... You can't even equal it to, I'm starving, I need to eat right now. Because you'll take time to find food that you like. You will, if you're hungry and you're really hungry. It's most akin to breathing. It's Yes. If I don't do this right now, I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah, it's the need. It's certainly the need. It, and it, I... It's like if it, if you don't satisfy that need, you will you will suffer. And it, like and while you guys 
while you were mentioning desperation, I was also thinking of the word obsession. While it's happening, I, yeah, it, it, it's really the only thing that can happen at that time. Yeah. And because uh, everything else seems so not important. So yeah, less important. Not even, huh? So less important, at least. Whatever it's important is, it's nothing compared to this. Yeah, yeah. It, it it has to be done. It like it's it's I have to do this, and it, I mean, I think I think every artist. I, I mean, Shauna writes on her windows because it's like if I get a thought, I'm gonna write on the window like right now. Um. And thank goodness we have the technology that we have now that we can carry around our phones and, and write it into. I still do that with quotes, even though I'm not working on a book right now. I still do it with quotes or thoughts. Um, so we have the technology that we can do that. But I, I can easily understand why in the past musicians, artists, writers, authors would hold themselves up mm-hmm. in remote places for extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. Because other people just don't get it. Well, some people get it. They fed you in the Philippines so that you didn't yes. die while you were writing <laughs> the second book. Really, she would forget to eat. I would. I would. Um, and they did. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but it's true. Um, yes. But I'm not sure if they they got it on the level of they understood that I, I had to do it. You know what I mean? It's always they felt that I was doing it because I wanted to. Yeah, the, the crazy Canuck lady. The crazy Canadian lady that's yeah. been sitting out here for, for days and days and just the pen won't stop. Why is that happening? She must really want to do this. And so I never got to have that conversation as far as, no, I have to do this. If I don't write, I mean, if I wake up at 4 in the morning, I come down here, the patio better freaking be open because I got to write. You know what I mean? And they would they would do that. They would arrange that I could go out there at all hours of the day. It didn't matter. Um, but I think artists understand it on a level that, that maybe people don't create that way, don't understand how, yeah. how much drive it is. Don't you find that it's, it's a matter of cycles, too? Like, oh, yeah. Um, like... It it can go, everything is kind of in its own, yeah, that's how it is for me as, as far as writing and recording goes. I'll, I'll just get to a point where I'll have so many songs that I have to record them, otherwise they'll start to die off. Like they're these living organisms, and if I don't record them or play them live or somehow somehow get them breathe life into them the, I need to sustain them and keep them going right. I would imagine it's similar for a writer like an author it is, it is the same way it, it definitely goes into cycles um, I think you know that's, that's the one thing that they're, it, about poetry and about writing songs and about um, about writing books is that it's one thing to spend all this time birthing it, but if you don't, if you can't put it out there, it, it's kind of like you're smothering your own child. 
You know what I mean? Like there's a, a, a painful element to not being able to get it out there, and it goes in cycles. It, so it's, it's almost like a life cycle or like a growth cycle for a child. You've, you've taken the time to 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 carry this thing around in you to grow it, to nourish it, and then you birth it and you p- put it out into the world and, you know, a year from now you might have the urge to have another one. It's kind of one of those things. But the other thing that people have to understand is they are constantly being asked, when are you going to write your next book? I'll freaking write it when it's ready to be written. Yeah. Okay. yeah. You know? When are you, when you going to go in that room and write a song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. And it, it, we ha- we do have a lot of young people that listen to our show. And it, one reason I kind of wanted to bring that up was I'd been through this recently with my goddaughter, Amy, of, you know, I don't know if I'm a writer or a musician or an artist or a... And you look at every tennis shoe, often every square inch of her skin, every square inch of her walls are covered with drawings. There's just there's a drawing on everything. She draws when you talk to her. She draws when she talks. She sometimes draws while she sings. And so, you know, I was like, I've seen you wander around for days and not sing a thing, not even sing when the radio's on. And, you know, yeah, she has writer in her because she's, you know, spit out 600 pages of book when she was like 12 or 13. But it, and it it may come again, but I hadn't seen it. What I've seen is that she draws on everything. You know, she'd draw in little corners of my whiteboard on the wall and then, you know, erase around them so that I would only use the spots where her drawings weren't. She draws on everything. She's she's an artist. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think you're born with it, really. it's not something that you can kind of, uh, I mean, of course, you can learn a craft, but to really love it and want to do it, passion has to be there. And, it, and I just feel like you're kind of born with that, looking at life that way. And I don't want to discourage anybody. I'm just saying, you know, how do you, I have these three creative things that I love to do. Really? Is one of them like on fire, and the other ones are just sort of simmering? <laughs> because that was certainly her case. But the other element to that, Rick, is that if you have three creative things that you want to do, life is is long and diverse. So yeah. What's on fire right now? Do that. I certainly never talked to her about you're not a writer or you're not a singer. Right, but right now she's an artist because that's what I, she's focused on. I always that's just said. From outside, it looks to me like you're an artist. You draw on every freaking thing. But that could change, is my point. And yeah. I think that people with yeah. different diverse skills, because we've had a lot of them on the show, where they're you know, they're a musician, but they're also, you know, well, most musicians are poets to some extent, but they're also poets, and they're also authors, and they're also painters. You know, even myself, I paint, and I write, and I do a radio show. So, I mean, that's three different creative, and I make little short films and cut audio and put video together and 
so it's a whole bunch of different creative things all together. And quite honestly, I have to feed whatever passion is burning that day. If I'm, mm-hmm. and Rick knows this to be a truth. If I'm being driven to paint, I will tell him I'm going to paint today. I'm sorry. I love you. I love the radio show. I love everything we do. But I I'll be with my paintbrush. That's what we're doing today. Yeah, I, I occasionally have people that say to me, "Man, it must be great having a writer for a partner." <laughs> Why? And they say, "Well, you know, if you need a, something written for the website, or and I'm like, you no, know, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> because it doesn't, it doesn't work. It that doesn't way. work that way. And, no. and, and for God's sakes, don't tell a novelist that you need something in 200 words or less. <clears throat> right. Yeah. Because they, it, it, it's, it, it really, it's like some sort of thing in their brain. They suddenly can't say hello in less than 200 words. and i love that about her dearly because she honors it and um and is okay with that and you know my problem with amy was that you know she kept on with this i want to be a singer thing which at least in my witnessing of her life was like the least prominent thing that she Mm. was doing but you know she was weird. She felt weird because the kids teased her at school and stuff and told her she was weird. Odd, Dad. Why, why does that kid think they're weird? Well, I don't know. The whole rest of the class tells them they are. Um, but <laughs> I think a lot of times... It's like, you know, if I'm a singer, I can be weird. You're supposed to be weird <laughs> or something. And I was like, have you seen artists? You heard of Picasso? <laughs> I think a lot of times the world will let you know what you're real. If you can't see it on your own, the world will let you know uh, what you're really great at too. Um, and then you go, "Oh yeah, I have been doing that." Sometimes it's hard to see yourself, and and to even watch our, the way that we spend our time. It we live in this little vacuum of our our own mind sometimes, and it's, I think it. Sometimes it takes a little experience just to, you know, just walk the path that you're supposed to walk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we make it so hard, you know. Yeah, singers get rich. People that paint don't. <laughs> what? what? Not my case. <laughs> I was going to say, how many musicians have you talked to? What, what, yeah, what, what? Musicians have, quote, unquote, suffered that for is, their craft. Well, but it's it's like the rest of those lies that, that, that people just take on face value, you know. That, oh, it's yeah, like all, of all authors are rich. Authors yeah. 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 And it, it's not like goes to the stereotypes I was talking about earlier, that it, it is kind of a... It, a glorified thing to be a, a musician, you know. They like there's some kind of celebrity that goes with that. It's, that is so rare, and and it's not. It's no reason to get into it. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. And uh, you know, it's. I, that's why I'm so uh, thankful to have had you with us tonight because you've been so willing to be 
just wide open and look here how he is. Um, because that's well, that's the kind of show we do around here, you know. Otherwise, it's been like, dude, what's it be on stage with America, dude? <laughs> Which I'm sure is cool, and 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 would you know would I'm sure everybody would love to know, but it's. <clears throat> I want to go out. Oh, really? and hear, I want to go out and hear everything you've ever written or sung. Now, see, because you know, Kev. But but really, what's it, what's it like to? I what's it like to be on stage with him? What's it like to go play? Would you get to go play the encore? Yeah, I played um, horse and horse and no name. Um, yeah, little ditty of people may have heard of him. But the thing is, is that is one brief, tiny little moment in a long grind. I always think of um, James Taylor when he, he I heard in an interview of with Ben Taylor, his son, that he, his dad used to tell him, look, being a musician is not glamorous. Don't think because your dad is rich and famous that it's going to be easy for you. So, and he tried to tell him about the grind that it's going to be. And I thought that was such great advice, you know, coming from James Taylor. But they're like, the, the, anytime I meet anyone who's successful at this or well-known, or it's they nobody sees all the, the time that you spend on the road in a stinky bus or just hauling gear and, doing all the things that that really have nothing to do with the music itself. I mean, sure, they all go into the music and the show, and and they're, they, all of that is fun. But if I don't get a... If I don't get my own release off of this thing called music, then none of that would be worth doing. <laughs> like, it's just it would be... way too much to put up with. I <laughs> yeah. feel that way every day when I get up sometimes <laughs> and, and look at the emails in the inbox. I'm like, ah! Because <clears throat> uh, Gene and I just want to show up and talk. That's all. And, That's cool. And, uh, but it in the music business, even the famous ones in the music business all have songs about when they were doing that. So even if you make it, you may have been dragging stuff around the road yourself because you don't have roadies or any of that kind of stuff for a decade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah to have something truly unique. I mean, and that is, it takes years and years of crafting and learning and research and reading and um that's what, like you mentioned, musicians as poets. Really, there aren't that many great ones. I mean, I think lyrics in general are the thing that are is the thing that we need the most help on when it comes to like the music world. The writing that is on most FM radio is, is usually not that good. It, you know, and like guys like Dylan. Nobody can even touch that caliber of, of writing. It's so I, I've well, one thing I've tried to work on probably in the last ten years is just to read books 
you know, <laughs> Reed actually Everything. get off of yeah, get off the music and go to the word. So and and I I really feel like I'm I'm not a good writer in that way. I I know how to write my songs and interpret my songs and deliver my songs. But that it's hard for me to look at myself as well, you, <laughs> you, uh, you do it in a very uh, gifted way, my friend. Uh, we did have one more question, uh, like a really long Ooh. time ago, and I keep forgetting. Uh, something about limited edition posters, something. Janet, ask again. <laughs> it, well, it scrolls off the top of our chat room after a while. Oh, limited edition high love poster CD package, only 50 available. Yeah, I just, I, um, I, this CD high love I've been sold out of for a while, um, six or seven months, and I finally just got some new ones in. And so I put together this package, um, with, with a, and I had promotional posters from when I was touring that record still left in my closet. So I said, oh, well, this is cool. I'm going to put together a little package um, and make it kind of a limited edition thing. And and it goes to most of my Facebook fans, and I just write a nice message on the poster and make it, keep it personal. You know, so that's, I just... Awesome. So there you go, Janet. Jump right in there. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, I hear clicks and pops, and I think everybody's gone, but you're still here. So that's good. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. But we'll be gone soon. Yes. It's, time. Well, it is that time, and we're coming back early in the morning. We are? Like, Twelve and a half hours, less than twelve and a half hours from now, we will be back on the air with um, a quick uh, uh, one-hour show with Derek Mills, an author from the UK. Uh, I've uh, seen some of his stuff on YouTube, and you know, I get—I'm the one that gets to do homework in advance. Gene knows nothing, and uh, <laughs> well, it, 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 it works for us. It, she brings the audience perspective, and and I occasionally have something if we get dead silence for like five minutes I can go um uh factoid yeah <laughs> um and then we have music again Thursday night with David Ison coming to join us so uh yeah. who, who, who who does really um more than just music so that's you know he's also the founder of the Institute of Creative Consciousness right so it's, it's gonna be an interesting dynamic um, that on sounds that cool. Musical show, so that's always cool. Yeah. So uh, you guys get up, and we all have coffee in the morning when we're doing the show that early. <laughs> I guess I guess that's ten in Eastern time zone, so it's it mid morning. Okay. It is. It's, it's not too too bad. Um, oh. Not gonna suffer too much it's getting off. Seven a.m. for our California friends. Uh, you know. <laughs> Really, brew extra coffee. Make the dark stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, so join us in the morning with some coffee, uh, and uh, it's just a short time away. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. 
Good night, everybody. We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.